Welcome to Judaism Demystified, a podcast for the perplexed. We are joined by Rabbi Joseph Dweck. Rabbi Dweck is the senior rabbi of the SNP Sephardi community of the UK, the country's oldest Jewish community established in 1656. He was elected to this position in 2013 with a 270 to 4 vote, a margin believed to be the largest in UK synagogue history. Rabbi Dweck is American born and studied in Jerusalem at Yeshiva Chazon Ovadia under the tutelage of former Sephardic chief rabbi, Rav Ovadia Yosef. Rabbi Dweck received his rabbinic ordination from Rav Ovadia under the auspices of the Sephardic Rabbinical College of Brooklyn, led by Rabbi Shimon Alouf and Rabbi Harold Sutton. He has a Master of Arts degree in Jewish education from Middlesex University in conjunction with the London School of Jewish Studies, and he is working towards a Master's in Psychotherapy at Regents University London. In his capacity as senior rabbi, he oversees its religious works, rabbinic staff, and the Sephardi Din, and the Sephardi Kashrut Authority. He is also the deputy president of the LSJS, a president of the Council of Christians and Jews, and an ecclesiastical authority to the Board of Deputies of British Jews. Rabbi Dweck also serves as a member of the Standing Committee of the Conference of European Rabbis. Rabbi Dweck is a sought-after speaker and teacher in the UK and abroad. His digital presence has global reach through virtual classes, social media activities, a mobile application, and podcasts. And of course, he is also the founder of the Chabura, which I highly recommend to everybody who's listening who hasn't heard of it to definitely check it out. Without further ado, Rabbi Joseph Dweck. Thank you for joining the Judaism Demystified podcast. One question we really wanted to ask someone like you is, does the Maimonidean path lack spirituality? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I, you know, I'm very grateful to be able to have an opportunity to speak with you both and to be on the podcast. And so thank you very much for, for having me on. Um, I, You know, the question about, in honesty, I kind of... I find the question very interesting because I, I it wouldn't have even occurred to me uh, that there should be such a question. You know, th- does the Maimonidean, you know, a- approach to Torah and mitzvot and so on lack spirituality? For me, uh, you know, in, in my involvement with it, it there, there's no question about that. Of course, the question whenever somebody speaks about spirituality is what do you mean by spirituality? So I would challenge you to uh, explain that a little bit more. What do you mean by spirituality? Well, what I mean is what the common person would say is like the ruchniut of let's say like the chasidut has to offer, you know they have they have a more let's let's just call it inspirational Judaism where there's there's a constant um, there's there's a constant need for inspiration number one mm-hmm. um, and keeping people engaged. Right. Or, so inspiration is built right. That word is in spiritu right. It is that one has spirit within right. That's what inspiring means. So I can get why it is that you're saying that. And if you're looking at spirituality as being a kind of inspiring experience in terms of the, you know, in terms of what it is that's being taught and the framework of of thought and practice, I mean, honestly, for me, the most hands down uh, single greatest inspirational uh, teaching in my life is Harambam. Uh, and that is because Harambam teaches a life-positive, clear, uh, full framework of what it is to live as a member of Israel in the world in covenant with God. So if that is one's goal, right? In other words, if one wants to be a full-fledged, conscious Jewish person in covenant with God, my opinion is that you can't get better than Harambam. Because what you need in order to be able to do that is to be able to know what you're doing, right? To understand what, what is the framework of the covenant? What are we expected to do? How am I as an individual seen within that covenant? How is How am I as a member of Kalal Yisrael seen in that covenant? What do, how do I relate to the mitzvot of the Torah that are presented to me? And there is no one, and I say that, you know, with pause and consciousness, there is no one like Harambam who has treated the entire Torah, meaning all of the mitzvot and its framework in consistent approach like he has. And, uh, you know, of course, yes, a person can study through the entire Talmud, 
uh, together with the you know Torah Shebichtav. That's a it's a very great ordeal, and the Talmud itself is a vast sea of information and uh, intricacies, right? So the the masichtot are called masichtot because they're weaves, essentially, of thought and, 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 and law and, and a very specific way of presenting ideas. But it's also, it's also left open, right? It's also left kind of, you know, open to interpretation. The reality is, and I say this frankly, Harambam is much less open to interpretation. People can always put their projections onto whatever it is that they're reading, but Harambam is a specific approach in that. And the reason why the approach is inspiring to me and indeed spiritually uplifting to me is because if I'm living in this paradigm, my interest is to be able to be the best that I can be right in this, in this endeavor. And Harambam gives me tools for that like no one else. So if it's a question of what the law is in any particular uh, situation, I always look to him as an origin because there's no law that is in, Jew in the corpus of, 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 of Jewish law that Harambam does not in some way treat. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of modern law that Harambam didn't know about nor speak about. But the source of it all, the principles of it all is presented by him and is presented by him in very specific context and meaning and therefore meaning. And Harambam also, if you study the Moreh Nebuchim, you have a very strong sense of the inspirational covenant and relationship that we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his attention to us and our work in terms of developing that relationship and so on. So it may be true that if people are questioning that, there may be a little bit, they may be lacking scholarship a little bit in terms of Harambam, you know, what is they're looking for, or they may be looking for something else, right, outside of what it is that I've just described. They may be looking for just some kind of motivational pep talk or something in order to be able to get through, which I also find, you know, in Harambam's works. You know, it's very rare that the end of a set of halachot will not have an inspirational uh, and, and meaningful encouragement and, and framing of, of what it is that we're doing, given the, you know, the set of laws that are being presented. So um I, I don't I don't recognize the question, right, to begin with. And, and if there is a question for people, I would say one of two things. I would question whether indeed that is what their goal is, right? Meaning to be able to live in full covenant with Akadosh Baruch Hu in, in clarity of its framework and our personal personal position within that. If that's what their goal is, I think everything is there. And uh and if not, then maybe there's something else. And the second is it just maybe scholarship, right? I mean, Harambam's works are they don't have pages of inspiration. It's, in other words, he didn't write here's a book of inspiration, yeah, which may be what Hasidut kind of attempted to do in its own way, given the circumstances, yeah. But you, if you read through Harambam, yeah, and you have to find that you know well, what's written about, uh, you know, approaching a relationship with him and what's open to mankind, like he writes at the end of Shemitah uh, Yovel, or you talk of you, 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 you listen to what he writes about happiness and joy in life at the end of Ilchot Lulav, or you listen to about what he writes about the meaning of mitzvot at the end of Ilchot Ma'ilan or Ilchot Mura. You, you need to you need to read it. You know you need to you need to be able to find it. But it is in the study of his of his whole work that one finds this. So for, for quick fixes or for kind of, you know, a, a treatise on inspiration, yes, one might be wanting, you know, in terms of how it is that Harambam puts things out. But if one is consistent and studies the entire framework as he presents it, in my opinion, there's nothing more inspiring and nothing more profoundly moving. I, I've mentioned uh, several times in various, you know, kind of classes that I've given or talks that I've said, I mean, when I held a page of the Moreh Nebuchim in my hand when I visited Cambridge in the, in the Geniza, they put this paper in my hand, right? It was basically held in thin plastic. They put this, and I, and of course, recognize Harambam's handwriting. I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe it was a letter or something. And I looked down and the person said, that's a page from the Moreh Nebuchim. I started crying. I was so deeply moved that this man who had spent all of this time to write for me such wisdom such guidance, such profound truth uh, to me generations later, right? Now, obviously not to me personally, but knowing that somebody might, you know, and that, uh, of course I was moved to tears. So I, 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 I uh, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that I recognize the question, but. Um, so I think, I think if I have, have to give it a little bit more detail, um, and again, obviously it's not our view, but it's 
the view that we hear from many people is that there seems to be this since there's this uh um it feels as if there's a distance between man and god versus let's say the kabbalistic and um hasidic tradition where um god is imminent and there's this people feel like they they can't connect to the god of Rambam because it's maybe too distant and there's an unbridgeable gap it's too hard to get there yeah yeah i think that's also false I think that if people study Kabbalah appropriately, they recognize that uh, any, even in Kabbalah, the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to do with our commitment to the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right? There's, I don't want to get into the, you know, the nitty-gritty details of Halakha, but there is definitely even a concept with regards to the Sefirot and how it is that they manifest, manifest in Hashgaha, that there is a withdrawal of Sefirot. Right? There's, it's called Tlat Klilan Bitlat. Right? That the 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 which essentially is a kadosh whose engagement and involvement tashkaha just recedes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's based on the pasuk lo yegurecha ra, right? That 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 evil cannot touch you, a kadosh So in terms of kabbalah, how does it say? It says a kadosh withdraws. In the Torah itself, it talks about hysterpanim, right? Ani astirpanim. What does that mean? That means that we have to work in order to be able to build close relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yes, of course, there is a default of Brit for every single member of Klal Israel, but that's the default. So, of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not just forsake his people, but that's the enterprise of Israel, right? That is the corporate entity that is Klal Israel. You and me as individuals, of course there's a requirement and an expectation that we build in terms of that relationship. Consider the fact that if the relationship was always full on, right, the highest levels, there would be no room really to talk about a relationship. It would just be status quo, it would just be what is. So that's the case with every relationship. And what people believe is that Rambam holds that it's very difficult to get in contact with HaKadosh Baruch And that's false. It's just that Rambam takes it very seriously. Right? He talks about the relationship as we would any meaningful and serious relationship of our life. right? And that is expected. That's part of it. We are meant to extrapolate the relationship dynamics that we have with deep, intimate loves that, as we would with HaKadosh Baruch Right? In other words, how those relationships would run with us as we would run with HaKadosh Baruch That's why Shira Shirim, as Harambam writes in the end of Hilchot Teshubah, Mashal Hu right? The whole Shira Shirim is essentially a, 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 you know, a, a metaphor for the relationship they were HaKadosh Hu. And all of Shira Shirim is a story about this deep, intimate love between a man and a woman. So, of course, relationships are serious and meaningful. These are not, these are not you know... Uh, I don't want to use the word childish, you know, because because that makes child, you know, childlike things not valuable. But they they are they are not uh, they are not um, elementary. Yeah, they they are they are complex. They're sophisticated, and the more that we take seriously the relationship that we have with Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the of course the more deep and intimate it will be. But no, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, even according to Rambam, is not far off somewhere. He's there, he's, he's imminent, it's there, he's waiting for us, he's relationship ready, he's, he's interested in us being engaged with him. And Harambam writes, in Hilchot Teshuvah, there is nothing that stands in the way of Teshuvah. Anything, even the worst things, Teshuvah is always an option for us. Yeah, so again, very inspiring, very moving, very meaningful. But Harambam also does not, you know, does not treat the, the relationship with God and, and the Torah itself for that matter, as a kind of an elementary, uh, minor, negligible thing. It's, it's very serious for Harambam. It's a very real thing. And in the same way that when we love someone, everything matters more, not less. Right? When you love someone, or when somebody loves you, and you're in a loving relationship with somebody, they don't say good morning. It, it means something. You know, you have a co-worker who forgot to say good morning to you. All right, not the end of the day, not the end of the world. You're not going to sit there unless, you know, you've got a kind of concerns about that in general. You're not going to sit and ruminate on it all. But if your wife or your husband or your or or a, a deep love of your life doesn't say good morning to you, that's catastrophic. It's catastrophic. 
So things change. So you're going to say, oh, it's so hard. You know, yes, relationships are difficult. <laughs> They're responsibilities. They bear weight and so on and so forth. So, uh, so I disagree that it's harder as far as Harambam. Harambam gives us, uh, he, he writes constantly that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there and available and interested and wanting Israel constantly. But he doesn't water down the reality of the nature of the relationship. The relationship requires commitment, dedication, work. Yeah. Beautifully so. said. Thank you. Okay. Um, we wanted to ask the, the Rav if we we're wondering um, how would a Maimonidean community look like? Um, there, there's not much, at least not that we know of. Um, there's not too many Maimonidean communities today. Um, you know, most people that subscribe to the path of the Rambam, it's more individualized to themselves. Um, what would be, how, how would, how, how would the parameters and the, how, how would we implement, um, it. implement um, realistically a Maimonidean community today? Right. Well, I mean, I guess that there were probably there are probably two aspects to that really inherent in what it is that you're asking, because there is a philosophical aspect and then there's a halachic aspect, right? Not to divorce the two. I mean, for Harambam, they're not divorced, right? They're, they're the same, um, which again is part of the beauty of his whole approach. But um, I think that in modern normative Judaism today, uh, it's been quite some time since Harambam sealed his his magnum opus, the Mishneh Torah. And so, so much has happened since then, right? So it's important. First of all, one of the major things that happened since then was the Shuhan Aruch, yeah? That Rabbeinu Yosef Karo Maran, he wrote the Shuhan Aruch. And the Shuhan Aruch was not a minor wave in the world of Jewish law and practice. Right. So, you know, one, your question would, without saying it, would kind of assume that we would kind of like park, Has Shalom, I'm not saying we should do that, but like, like park the Shuhan Aruch, Take take the Mishneh Torah as the predominant, uh, you know. Right. Legal those are court challenges. Issues. Those are those right? are so, so those are not minor issues, yeah. right? Those are very 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 serious things, and I'm not even advocating for that. I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that that's what it is we should do, because I think also that the process of history of the Jewish people is not a minor thing either, right? I mean, we have to take into consideration the effects, you know, and the and the manifestations of various things, and that's that's obviously it's theological, it's it's a bit esoteric. I, I get that. I'm you know I'm, I'm putting that forth, and there are many 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 people that would disagree with me, many significant scholars, Rachamim, that would disagree with me, and probably some even that would call me off my rocker for for saying that. But what I'm saying is that. The historical developments of the Jewish people are not negligible, right? The fact that Rabbeinu Yosef Karo, his work, came to be within us as it did, uh, not saying that there aren't issues, kind of that we struggle with sometimes, but uh, it is what it is. It's there. And I certainly would not advocate uh, Kind of disregarding that, Hasbi Shalom. You know, not only that, but what a, you know, in my opinion, would be a tremendous lack of kavod, kavod hachamim. I mean, Maran. You know, I think about a man. I envision a man sitting at a desk with a candle at night and a quill in his hand. You know, writing the Bet Yosef. You know, for that work alone, you know, it takes a bit of uh, you know uh, reverence and uh, and deference for that matter to him. So so. We're, we're not practically in a situation, and I will say on the back of that, uh, which I think is important, is that, how do I frame that? Without getting too long with it, remember that the bedrock covenant with the Jewish people is the covenant of Abraham Avinu. It's what everything is built upon. Everything, every subsequent Brit, every law, everything is built on the Brit Abraham Abinu. And the Brit of Abraham Abinu is not with Abraham and his students. I cannot stress that enough. It is not with Abraham and his students. It's with Abraham and his children. It's with his family. And that means that if there is any core element of the Jewish people, of, the, of Am Israel, it's the people. And that means that to some degree, we must recognize that being part of the people as they are 
is in and of itself a value, right? Now, that's not to say that if we see the, 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 the collective going wrong, right, or if we see the collective is going on a path that isn't necessarily righteous or appropriate, that we shouldn't say something, do something, fight it, you know, and so on. There's no, there's no lacking of that in Jewish history, you know. I mean, Hanukkah is that for all intents and purposes. You know, we literally celebrate that on Hanukkah. But still, being part of the Klal is not a minor value. And the Klal has accepted certain things, right? And, and even Arambam recognizes that there is a, a certain value to the Kabbalah Tarabim, right? What it is that the Rov, Rov Yisrael, right? How does we have we have approached these? So I'll give you an example of this. You know, he he in the Mishneh Torah, Harambam rarely ever writes anything that is not his understanding of the established law of the Talmud. Right? That, that's how the Mishnah Torah, that's what, that's what he puts with the Mishnah Torah. And interesting, of all laws in Hilchot Hanukkah, right, which I said is a, is a, is a, is a, a mo'ed that recognizes the fight of one group of Jews against other group of Jews and the vindication of the group of Jews that are fighting for Torah, you know, over those that wanted to leave Torah, so on. He writes how it is that we're supposed to do the lighting of the Nerot, Right on Hanukkah, and his he presents his understanding of the sugya of mehadrin and mehadrin mina mehadrin. Right, the, the the ones who beautify them is about to do this, and the ones who beautify it further do this. And he he gives his whole analysis of the sugya, how it's supposed to be practically understood. And then at the end of that, he says, however, minhad bechol arenus farad. He says, however, the actual practice in all of our cities in Sfarad is not like I'm writing. It's like this. Right? And he puts it into the Mishneh Torah. He includes that. You can argue and say, yeah, but you're Harambam. You understand that Sugya is this. That's the Deen HaTalmud. And that's how it should be. Forget about the Minhag. Why doesn't he combat the Minhag? And say, yeah, this is what we do. Right? This is what everybody does. And there's value to the fact that the collective has decided that this is what it is that we're doing. And then there's certain things that you know we, we, we wait for history to be able to determine. But think about the Jewish people as well. The Jewish people are the most most individualistically minded people, right? We we don't take things easily. We don't do things in unison well. Uh, it's a challenge for us, you know. It's like the old joke about two the two shuls, you know, and so on and so forth. You know, you've got one guy in a desert island. There's a shul that he goes to, and then the shul that he doesn't go to. The the to find given that that kind of you know tongue in cheek reality, things that have spread across the Jewish world. In practice and accepted in unison is again. I'm 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 suggesting is not minor. I'm not saying that it should be removable, but it's not minor. So I I wouldn't necessarily advocate creating a community that is solely and completely based on the Mishneh Torah. Harambam lived when he lived, and there's been development in the Jewish people since. And we have to recognize we're not going to erase you know hundreds of years of history post Harambam just to be able to. To establish that, uh, that's not to say that I don't. I don't certainly advocate, recognize. I don't. Nobody needs me to do that. I, I'm certainly not the guy doing that. I mean, Chacham Obadiah Yosef, in his uh, introduction uh, to the Shelotu Chuvot Peer Hador, which are Chuvot of Harambam, which was put out by his son Chacham David Yosef, Chacham Obadiah writes that if there is a Teshuvah that we find of Harambam that goes against the Psaq of the Shohan Aruch, we go like the Teshuvah Harambam over the Psaq of Shohan Aruch, because if, and we could say that if Maran saw the Teshuvah Harambam, he'd be posek like the Teshuvah Harambam. So there's no question, even with the Shohan Aruch, Harambam is very major. It's a major, 80% of Shohan Aruch is just the words of Harambam. So look, I mean, you know, there are adjustments that happen. There are, there are elements that Harambam was posek in his understanding of the sugyot of the Talmud that uh, in general, we, we don't we do not do. We follow rather how it is that the Shran Aruch established it. And uh, and I say that to be part of Kalal Israel and to practice as the majority of the Kalal are practicing, unless it's something that is mamash, mamash, absolutely, you know, wrong and against how it is. If there's no possible way to understand the Talmud that way, which is usually not the case, uh, we shouldn't forsake that. We shouldn't forsake that easily. Yeah, I'm not saying it should never be done, but we shouldn't easily forsake it. And I think that to create a, a community that is solely practicing Harambam is not necessarily 
the best thing to do. Again, I say that knowing that there are many Rambamniks out there that think I, I should be burned in effigy for saying that. But nonetheless, <laughs> that is my, my private opinion. However, I would say that, um, that in general, the philosophical approach of Harambam to Torah and to mitzvot and to the, again, I use the word framework of Jewish practice and thought as the framework should be advocated and that should be done more. And I do think that it's happening, you know, it's happening in various places. And that's one of the reasons why I'm very proud of the Habura. I mean, you know, one of the reasons we started the Habura was because we wanted to be able to put the thought out, right? To be able to have a, a, a framework of thought to be able to understand their approach to, to the Brit, to, to being part of Klal Yisrael, that I think is, you know, the I use the analogy, the volume has been turned down on it for a very long time. And I want to turn the volume up on that and be able to give that, you know, opportunity for people to be able to kind of be part of that thought world, right? That, that frame of thought, if that, if that, uh, I hope that answers. In some yeah, yeah. And, and actually, I great think, answer. I think it's a great answer. And yeah. I think really when we talk about a community, we're not really talk. I wasn't at least talking about, um, you know, instituting the halakha of the Rambam, yeah. because even Maran, you know, mentions that if you're a community that follows Rambam, you shouldn't, you shouldn't uh, stop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so so it's not really about that it's really about the philosophy it's really yeah. about the outlook yeah. um because mm -hmm. we find today that there are communities that adopt a lot of uh let's say practices that are kind of shaky or um yeah. maybe a little bit superstitious um yeah. not from the classical tradition so yeah so that's really where i want to understand how do we kind of because it feels like almost he was alluding to bensi was alluding to was that there is kind of like a Hesitance. hesitation because people feel like, you know, by yeah. by, by introducing Maimonidean like philosophy, uh, mm -hmm. way of living, you're you're kind of attacking, you know, the traditional modern view. Yeah. So now honestly, as far as that's concerned, I have to say, Lota Guru Mipinayish. Right. You you can't be afraid. You have to you have to recognize that. I mean, that's one of the reasons also I love reading Harambam. Harambam wasn't afraid. Rambam said it like it was. He didn't care. You know, he, he was straight out. So first of all, I think the self-consciousness that you are describing, right, about how it is that people will respond and the way that people, that is, is helped by greater learning, right? So the, the, the more that one learns and understands that this is, this is the way that things should be and why, and has strong reinforcement for it, uh, you can't see another way. I mean, you, you can't even allow yourself to really be able to engage it. And not only do you not, you recognize how serious it is to do an alternative, right? To, to, to behave in the alternative uh, and how, how much it shouldn't be done, right? How, or, you know, and that's truth. And so what we need, first of all, is a lot of, a lot more learning, which again, I don't mean to plug it, but I'm, I'm grateful and proud of the Chabura that it's, it's there, fun. right? And that people can use it and that it's, that it's available and does provide a good framework. But you also need to consider who it is that you're you're hiring or who it is that you're asking to lead, right? So 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 it, it requires leadership, it requires strong leadership and and uh, brave and courageous leadership. But it also has to come that bravery and courage has to come from very well rooted, strong, old principles, and that's one of the things that we do with the Habura. We point to the sources. Right. It's not just, oh, this is, you know, one some idea where we want to be rational. We want to be rational. <laughs> rational is overrated. <laughs> Honestly, I'll tell you, it's not about rationality because rationality fails in many areas. It just doesn't work. You know, there's certain things that rationality doesn't function for in the world. But it's not about that. It's about what is our derech? What is our way in Torah? And our way is old. It is old. It is it is populated by some of the greatest hachamim of all time. And it's something we should be proud of, not afraid of. It's something we should be proud of. We should know it's well-founded. It's not new. It's not some new way of ideas that we're coming and putting out because we want to be modern. It has nothing to do with that. It's old. It's well-established. It's populated by great, great minds and very courageous leaders. And we are simply part of that tradition. And we're, we're, we're forwarding that tradition. And one has to be proud of that. And if one is not proud of it, one is self-conscious about it, well, then they're not ready. They're not ready. And they need to learn more. Right. So, how do you feel about you know what people? Some people say about the derech of 
around Bomber, we see there are some pockets of Maimonidean kind of uh, communities um, where people say, you know, it's very, it seems kind of elitist or like ivory tower Judaism where um, it's not, it's not Kiruv oriented and so on. You know, do you, do you ever hear those kind of arguments? I do hear those kinds of arguments. And do you find them to be? Uh, I find them to be ill-placed. Okay, great. I find them to be ill-placed because, first of all, I don't know, you know, Kiruv, I don't know. I, I'm not a Kiruv person. Uh, I mean, Baruch Hashem, I'm grateful that I've had the zechut to, to bring people closer to Torah and Mitzvot. I mean, that I'm not afraid to say. I'm, I'm grateful that that's been part of my life. And uh, and please God, I, you know, I hope to be able to do that in my life. Uh, so whether uh, you know there, there's a the karev, you know, people to bring people closer. Who's not? Who? Sh why should we not do that? I mean, it's part of it's part of the whole thing. The Kirov movement. I'm not. I, I mean, I'm familiar with, but it's not my. It's not my. It's not in my circle. I, I'm not educated in that movement, and nor am I trained in that movement. And it's not. It's just not my. I'm not. I'm not familiar with it in terms of my own practice and my own my own way. I mean, I. I, I so that's all I'll say about that. I, so I don't want to speak about something that I'm not, you know, personally aware of and and properly educated in. But to say that Harambam's approach is not opened and uh, to you know to bringing people close. I think that's also it's either a failure in scholarship and and, and literacy in Harambam's writings, or it is uh, maybe a, an elitist reading of Harambam. It is true that Harambam does hold a very high bar, right? In other words, that there are various levels that a person can achieve. It does Harambam does write that, yeah. I mean that there's. But again, those levels are valuable and important because if we just expect that no matter what we do, we are at the same space with God all the time, it also cheapens the relationship that we have with God. The, that's a that's part that's something that people don't take into consideration. There's another side of that coin, yeah. Yep. And um, you know, so so I think that there are many many entry points. To approaching Hakadosh Baruch Hu. and Harambam talks about darkeh teshuvah, right? There are pathways to teshuvah, and he says there are many pathways, and he'll write mid darkeh teshuvah. Among the pathways of teshuvah are this, and among the pathways of teshuvah are this. He writes in more than one other places other than in Chol teshuvah. You know, he says this is mid darkeh teshuvah, right? This is something that we do as an as a way of getting close to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So he writes there's many things that we're supposed to do, should do, could do, in order to be able to engage with Hakadosh. I mean, there's a yeah, I mean, so so the Harambam made made concessions as well. Yeah, I mean, he 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 writes in the Mishneh Torah that we have to do the Hazara, right, and the Amida, and he writes in the Teshuvah that they didn't do the Hazara because nobody was answering Amen, and so he took that out, right? Because not kavod, right? It's not kavod Hakadosh Baruch to be able to do that, right? Okay, so could you imagine, you know, a minyan today that's been doing Hazara all the time and all of a sudden says, you know something, people are answering, I mean, we're going to take the Hazara out of the field. Okay, okay. What is that? You know, I could imagine all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, drama and, and political upheaval happening as a result of such a... So, you know, again, it's... Uh, it may not be what it is that people are modernly used to, but I don't think that it's, it's true that Harambam is not... Uh, that in studying his 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 presentation of Torah to us, that there is a, there's some kind of you know ivory tower in which the Torah is held that you know only the a select few are able to achieve. That's just patently false. Well said. But I'll say one thing. I will say another thing. You know, in this Faradi, uh, in this Faradi, certainly at least the Middle Eastern Faradi uh, minhag. There is a, when we take the Sefer Torah out of the Hecha, there we have the Rimonim, which are the bells, right? The silver, you know, the silver. And we usually will give that to a child. A lot of times we give that to a child to be able to crown the Sefer Torah. And uh, and there's a rule, there's like an unspoken rule, right? That, that the person who's holding the Sefer Torah is not allowed to lower the Sefer to the child, so the child can put the rimonim on the sefer. You have to lift the child up to the sefer so that they can put the, the rimonim on the Torah. 
And that is an analogy in general, right? We don't lower the Brit. We don't lower the Torah to somebody who's not yet able to reach it. We either lift them up, right? We give them boosts, right? We give them give them step stools to be able to get there, or we wait till they grow to the point that they're able to do it. But we don't lower it in order to be able to get to the people. And that's a very important principle that people forget. And sometimes I'm concerned that people do that in their eagerness to be able to give people connection. They lower these bars, right? They lower the, the values in order to be able to have, have access rather than a, a, assisting and escorting towards the, the higher level that people can get to. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to cheapen it that way. Excellent points. Um, we want to also ask, and this question is targeted more for teenagers, when we're going to ask this question. Mm-hmm. For teenagers today that are um, surrounded, I would say maybe with, uh, you know, woke culture that focuses on the individual, me versus we, um, you know, uh, th- there's... How do we properly present Torah to teenagers that are accustomed and being trained and kind of kind of being um, surrounded with this very me versus we individualistic um, you know kind of society that that's 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 surrounding them how do we how do we how do we go about that right so i i mean as i understand your question you know there is an assumption in your question if i understand it correctly and that is that the me is problematic. And I reject that. I don't think that the me is at all problematic. The only time that the me is problematic is when the me is void of recognizing that the nature of an individual, certainly a human individual, is by definition socialistic, right? In other words, it is a socially inclined existence. So the best line for this, the most pithy, succinct, clear line for this is Hilel Hazaken. And uh, it's one of, honestly, it's one of my favorite lines uh, in Chazal, which is, uh, you know, that's just me. And Hillel Azaken was, was one who spoke about this in various ways, right? This was very much something that Hillel Azaken held. And that is that he said uh, very famously to the point that it's almost cliche, but it should never get to be that because it's much deeper and profound than people may give it credit for. And, and, and that is, in anili mili. Right. If I am not going to be for me, which means if I'm not going to live my life, if I'm not going to take care of me, if I'm not going to be me as I am, then who will? And what he's saying is that nobody will. Right. It just will not happen. And if we disregard that, we are disregarding a fundamental principle in Torah. Right. Next week in Perashat Kedoshim, we're going to read Haremot Kedoshim. We're going to read the very famous pasuk Ve'Avta Kamocha. And the end of and and that's really it's it's an it's an odd pasuk, because if the if the Torah wanted to simply tell us to love others, then it should have simply said No, the referent is kamocha. You have to love others as you love you, which is expecting that there is this value of loving oneself. Right in the Perkei Avot, second Perik. If people are reading Perkei Avot now between Pesach and Shavuot, we're likely in the second Perik. Right, there's two things. Yeh mamon haverha, haviv alecha kishelcha. Right, should be as much. It's always the referent. The referent is always the self, and there is always an expectation that there is going to be a love of self. And if one does not have a love of self, and I, I and what I mean by that is the genuine self that one is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created you to be, which is unique, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't create cookie-cutter people. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created absolutely unique individuals, and that is part of the expression of the Yehuda Boreh, right? The fact that Hashem is Ehad, His creations, the one ubiquitous stamp on creation is the unique individuality of creation. You don't have two leaves on a tree, not two snowflakes, not fingerprints, all of that, right? We see identical twins, and we freak out because we can't imagine that there's two people that look the same. It's it's impossible for us to absorb. So the fact that the modern culture is moving into a very heavy me identity is not a is not a 
um, necessarily, necessarily negative. It is a very important development because in Western society, we went from being a very, very rigid communal system, right? I, I encourage people to read um, Eric Fromm's book, uh, Escape from Freedom. In the US, it's called Escape from Freedom. In the, in the UK, it's called uh, uh, Fear of Freedom. And where he developed, he shows the development of Western society from a very collective kind of society where everybody had their place within the society and everybody knew their 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 connection to the broader fabric of society into a very individualistic capitalistic move. Now, the truth of the matter is, is that I quoted only one half of Hillel's statement. All right. The second half of Hillel's statement is atzmi ma'ani. Right? And then he didn't say li, right? He said atzmi. When I am only for myself, right? When I am by myself, well, then what am I, right? I'm failing to recognize that I, as an individual, exist in an intricate connection with the rest of society. So there are various aspects of self. And one of the aspects of self is in Torah, right? And this is a wonderful show of the balance of Torah's recognition of the individual within the, the collective. And one should not shift for the other. Yeah, it's like, you know, the whole of Shabuot, everybody uh, everybody agrees. There's a whole discussion in the Gemara. What, how do you celebrate? How do you spend the day of Shabuot? And, you know, some say, Kulo Lashem, Kulo Lachem, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, everybody agrees that on Shabuot, you need to have Lachem. You, you need to have you time, <laughs> right, on Shabuot. There's a whole Gusugia. I'm not going to get into it right now. You can look it up. But that's that's a major issue. It says that when the hachamim would would complete a a, a sugya or masechet, not a sugya, but a masechet, or they would complete their learning, they would have celebrations for themselves, right? It says Rabbi Yosef, he would say, right? He would say, oh, I'm so happy, Rabbi Yosef, that I've completed my study. He goes, if it wasn't for my study, how many Joes are there? Average Joes are there out in the street? Yeah, so there's these celebrations of individuality that Akadosh Baruch who imprinted in all of us that we must actualize. And for a very long time in Western society, uh, and it still goes in Eastern society, right? But for a very long time in Western society, the individual was erased to a very high degree. So of course, anytime the individual raises his or her head, there is an accusation of selfishness. Because people don't necessarily know how to be themselves and not be selfish, right? So that's the difficult edge, right? And the reality is, is that if a person is working on achieving oneself, sometimes there needs to be private time for that. And sometimes they need to be able to pull away from the klal in order to be able to search. Yeah, that's why Hidbodidut is a thing, right? The Hasidut brought that, but Harambam writes the same thing. Harabam yeah. writes in the Morena Bukhim that there is a precious, he calls it Zmanim Yekarim. The most precious times are the times when you're alone. And you can just consider your life, your thought, who you are, what are your struggles. And that's, you know, so I think that in society, especially with the younger generation, we're seeing a pendulum swing. And yes, the pendulum is swinging to an extreme. There's no question about it. But again, Harambam writes that as well. Sometimes in order to be able to find balance in the middle, we move to the extremes before we're able to calibrate it. And everybody hates it, right? They're looking at it because the older generation is like, we were selfless. We gave of ourselves. We supplied. We, we were all part of communities. We were part of the sisterhood. We were part of the congregation. Yeah, you're right. Those are wonderful things and they should continue. But right now we're looking at the Hidbodidut, right? There's a lot of that going on. And it's true that uh, the society can't run if everybody's going to be spending a bunch of time on their own, you know, doing their own thing. And, and the pendulum will swing back because it's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable. But I, I, I don't think it's evil. Right? In other words, it gets to a very bad place. And the truth of the matter is the source of evil is in isolation, right? In not sensing empathy and care and the, and the need to be able to support and, and embrace those around us in love and compassion and 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 societal building, uh, make no mistake. I I don't want anybody to think that I'm not recognizing those values. What we need to do is we need to hear the teaching of Hillel as a king. And the first is very clear: Im en anili mili. 
If I do not achieve who it is that I am and I do not fight for my own individual life and existence as I am uniquely as HaKadosh Baruch who created me, then mealy. Ain't nobody going to do that. Nobody has the ability to do that because you cannot control other people, right? We, are, we have a hard enough time trying to control ourselves. And that's ultimately a major goal. And on the back of that, but if I don't recognize that I'm a social animal, that who created me within a fabric of society, and I need to learn how it is that I contribute of myself, my unique self to that society, I don't exist. And they will find that, that they, they yearn for that connection, right? So, so they, they will have all kinds of, of connections that work for them uh, on a superficial level, but at the end of the day, there's nothing that replaces genuine, real human connection. And that that will, and we need certain things to happen. We need people to be able to uh, compromise aspects of their self in order to be able to do that. And people are fighting so hard to have themselves right now that they're not yet ready to be able to compromise. So to answer your question, <laughs> after all of that, I would certainly speak to them about the value of self in Torah, because that's speaking their language. And if you can speak the first half of Hillel Hazakin to them, you can then speak the second half of Hillel Hazakin to them. But if you don't recognize the reality and truth of the first half, you will not be able to get in, because that's what they're focusing on right now, right? They're meditating on Imena Nili Mili. And uh, that's perhaps the motto of the generation. So if you can't expound upon that from a Torah perspective, the Kshanila Atzmima, and he will never get a, a seat at the table. So that's that's how very I would suggest. Well very, very well said. Um, and the last point I want to get into is the Chabura, because to us, it's such a valuable tool. Um, I want to know, uh, we want to know what it is that inspired you to start such a movement? Why was it necessary? And also, where do you see it in you know five, ten years? What is your goal? Yeah. Well, I certainly cannot take all the credit for it because it wasn't mine. If it was left up to me, it would never happen. Mm -hmm. I've always, I mean, over the years, my students have asked me, uh, what do we read? What do we learn in order to be able to get the perspective that that you have, Rob? Right? They would ask me, like, well, how do we, how do we? I don't know. You have to just read. There's a lot to read and a lot to know and a lot to, uh, you know, there's a lot of things and read this and read that. Um, and uh, during COVID, uh, my my dear uh, friend and uh, Talmid, uh, Sina Kahin, uh, said, you know, we could do this. This is the way we can do it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was just the right time because during COVID, everybody was online. And I tried to do things online before COVID. I wanted to very, very much do them before, but just people didn't even know what Zoom was. You know, they, they had no idea, you know, how to kind of, and, and if they did, they, you know, it wasn't something that was easy. So we took advantage of that. And and uh, and so I was kind of able to provide the framework for it and, uh, and the, you know, the curriculum for it and kind of what, what is it we wanted to teach. And, and Sina uh, just amazingly, as he is, you know, in all that he does, just amazingly facilitated it. And he just, he, he's, He's blessed with that tremendously. So I'm very grateful to him for that. What ended up happening as a result, so 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 the goal, you know, was to be able to put out this teaching and have people, you know, have an ability to learn. Um, but what ended up happening to my great delight uh, and surprise is that it ended up creating a virtual community. Right. So thankfully, we're in 26 countries now, the Khabura. And when I go around and, and I and I speak, you know, I was just recently in Great Neck. You know, I met you guys and uh, I was in New York. I was in Chicago. I was recently in Seattle and L.A. I'm, I'm going back to Mexico City in May. Uh, thankfully, everywhere I go, people come up to me and say they're members of the Khabura. And uh, what it has done is created a virtual community of people who 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 are are drawn to who feel at home in this approach to torah which i've said already this is very old you know we're doing it in a very new and modern way but it's really very old and it's very authentic um so that has been a delight you know i'm i'm so glad and grateful that there is you know i when i was growing up and when i was going through through you know my learning i felt very alone you know, with regards to it, it was very, it was a handful of people that I knew were like-minded and that was it. But this has given it, a, a, it's facilitated people that otherwise were isolated to really connect with each other um, and feel that they are part of a, a greater community. 
and that gives energy. You know, if nothing else, it gives energy. You know, to to people, uh, and and it gives a central element of it that you know I think is helpful. In five years, I have no idea. I'm always hesitant when people ask me what I think is going to be in five years because I'm I'm going to be 48 years old, which is not 80 years old, but I've I've, I've lived enough five year cycles in my life to know that uh, five years a lot can happen in five years. So I have no idea what will be in five years. What do I hope? Also, I'm afraid to dream too small. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to do that either. But I, you know, I do hope that the that it'll grow, that we'll be able to have perhaps you know centers. You know, visits. The online thing is great, but I hope there'll be physical centers because, like I said, the physical connections between people is very valuable. We're going to be opening here at Bet Midrash in London, Bezrat Hashem, in the not too distant future for the Chabura and the and the S and P. Um, so I'm very excited about that. But I, I just, you know, uh, the, the goal is to, you know, to be able to allow, to facilitate people to be able to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu as much as they can. And, and if we can help with that, then and however it is that it manifests and manifests. So I encourage people to be able to take part in it if they can and to share it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just hope that it, it's, it's, it goes it's really an amazing thing, and uh, we benefit from it a lot. And Great. we want to thank you so much for all all that you do and your your wisdom, your courage. Um, we really look up to you, and uh, we hope only good things for yourself and the Chabura. And hopefully, we can do this again one day. It means so much to me to hear that, and it's a tremendous encouragement. And I, uh, you know, please God, uh, you know, a, a little bit of what you said, I could hope to, uh, you know, to to fill. But I, I, I'm very grateful for it, and and please God, we'll be able to continue to 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 do it. Thank you so much. Yeah. What all, right. all the best. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Judaism Demystified podcast. We really appreciate all your support and your feedback. If you want to help us grow the podcast, keep spreading the word, share it with your friends, family, or whoever you think would be interested. We also opened a Patreon, so you can become a patron, contribute any small amount you'd like, which would really help us grow the show. Um, our Patreon is www.patreon.com slash Judaism. Pretty easy to remember. Thank you again, and we hope to keep putting out great shows for you guys.